you see immediately the effects of your decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually been the most amazing part, but it is also it's time for me to put my money where my mouth is essentially. And if I think I can do it better, then now's the time to do it. In the first part of my conversation with Cece Lee of Trendalytics, she talked about her efforts to use artificial intelligence to analyze trends in fashion. In this second part of our conversation, Cece opens up about her experience as a new CEO of a startup in New York and the humbling process of transitioning from an account manager to now being the head of a company. She offers some key perspectives on learning by doing and how being at the top can't mean that you're above anyone. All right, I'm excited to continue our conversation and now hear how have you been innovating and growing as a leader? Uh, to, I mean, to start off, we were already talking, you're a new time CEO of this company. <laughs> yep. And what a time to become then the CEO. Um, tell me, what's the, the journey that you've been on since the beginning of this um, organization into now? And what kind of hurdles have you over, already overcome? So I've been at the company for over two years now at this point. What month are we in? What is time, I guess, at this point? But it's almost May, I guess. So yeah, about two and a half years, actually. Um, and I started actually as the head of account management, so running the customer success organization. Um, and then I moved to take over all of revenue, which is customer success, sales, and marketing. Um, and now, obviously, I'm the CEO, newly appointed by the board. Um, and I think really it's been such a, it's been a crazy journey, which is also why I love startups so much because um, I spent my entire career in retail. So I was uh, basically an end user doing everything from merchandising to financial planning um, and was an excellent retail planner, merchandiser that kind of saw the writing on the wall and wanted to leave the industry. And so um, I actually got pitched by Trendalytics and thought it was such an amazing thing in the way of the future. So I reached out to them when I wanted to do something new. And Karen, uh, one of our founders, who must be nuts because she took a chance on me with no experience doing the job that I was doing, but it's, all, it's really turned out for the better. I've learned so much in the past you know, couple of years. And I think the most amazing thing about startups is the, the amount that everyone wants to learn from and teach each other. Mm. Um, and actually, I think how uh, the network is amazing. Like People are just always reaching out to be like, hey, I'd love to hear about what you do. And I'd love to tell you about what I do. And I'm, it's such an amazing kind of culture and community. Um, I'm sure in SF, it's a little bit different because every you can't throw a stone and not hit 85 different co-founders. Um, but for New York, it's still relatively, it's smaller and it's newer. And so I think the community has been amazing. Um, I think as a leader, it's so much about maturity and understanding, I think, what you need at the time, um, what needs to be something that you spend a lot of time on. And, you know, in startups, obviously, every single thing is you don't have time um, for anything that isn't going to add 10x your value. And so, mm. It's wearing a lot of hats. I think even in the last few weeks, I've had to renegotiate insurance policies in order to get contracts signed, um, understanding I didn't know anything about really a lot of the governance processes, um, understanding like what is a board meeting versus what is not a board meeting, what are the things that they should care about, building cash flow models. It's, it's actually been amazing. Um, also learning accounting. Um, but that's, I think, the most um, important skill at a startup is just the doer ability. Um, and the like get it done kind of mm -hmm. mentality. Um, I think for big corporations that I've worked at, it's very like, now I've done my job, I'm gonna go home now and the business will continue to run. And now it's if I don't 
get up every day in the living room um, and do my job, then the company could go under. And these are all things that are, um, you see immediately the effects of your decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually been the most amazing part, but it is also it's time for me to put my money where my mouth is essentially. And if I think I can do it better, then now's the time to do it. Very accurate statement of, of, of now's the time to just take action and, and make things happen. And it's not, okay, uh, okay, I'm done. Things are good. Your, your journey um, from, you know, the, the retail and then larger corporate now to a startup and particularly when you're the VP uh, of revenue and growth and things were changing, what were some, some learnings that happened that, okay, in order to get our first real growth and scaling up of clients, that as, as from, cause when you were a VP over about a, a year of that, mm -hmm. how much of that of growth were you able to see and, and what would you attribute that growth to? Well, so there's been a lot of, I think, changes in the organization and we obviously had to make some tough decisions, um, cutting the sales team that we had originally. Um, and I just had to kind of step in as an IC. And so it's been a really amazing crash course into SaaS selling. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what I've learned truly is it isn't as mythical and hard as people have you believe. It really comes down to like be a human and think about people as a human where um, if you would not like this person to call you in the middle of dinner with the proverbial telemarketing, don't do that to other people. And so these are things that I feel like I've learned, but you also have to really believe in what you're doing. So mm -hmm. I truly believe that what we're doing is going to help retailers revolutionize the way that they do their business. And so it's easy for me to convince other people of that because I believe it. Um, and I think kind of the, that was the, I think the biggest learning is putting structure around it. So understanding like, what is the funnel? Where's the leak in your funnel? Like, how do you get people to do pricing negotiations? Like, how do you track that in Salesforce? Mm -hmm. These are all things that, you know, for a real SaaS seller, they're probably like, well, of course you have to do discovery. But for me, I had to kind of learn it the hard way where I was doing it naturally, but mm -hmm. there's a real process and there's a science behind it. But once you kind of get the gist of what works for you and what flows naturally, <clears throat> it becomes a lot easier. And really what I've learned is if you, if you really believe in it and it's, there is product market fit, then it will come. Mm -hmm. Which by the way, it's not to discount the hours of outreach and hard work and all of the fostering and the crappy demos you have to do and all of that kind of stuff. But you know, it even bad products with good ideas find ways to make it. And if you have a good product and good ideas, then how much more can you do? Indeed. If, do you have any particular tactics that you've utilized over the past year or so that through the learning, you've figured it out. You're like, actually, this, this one worked really well. Any ones that you can think of that pop in your mind of that you would recommend if someone else was to be doing this journey of trying to figure it out, either a startup or co-founder or someone who's put into this position, they're like, how the heck am I, what could I do? Like an actual tactic I could apply for to help growth. <laughs> Oh man, I think it honestly is nothing is beneath you and no meeting is a bad meeting. I think that's kind of the two things that I've really taken away where even if it's a terrible meeting and they're not the right fit for you, uh, you still got practice giving your demo and navigating really crappy conversations. Um, but I think I will say, you know, have a focus because uh, I do think, you know, the company itself has suffered from a lack of focus at times. And even in the time that I've been here has, you know, had that issue. And it's if you have a singular focus and that's all everybody is marching towards, 
um, that is the best way to succeed, not a guarantee because who knows. Um, but I think it's have a focus, march towards it. And if what you're doing on a daily basis is not getting you towards that focus, then reevaluate why you're doing it. Mm. That's a, a, a wonderful point to bring is just keep the focus and reevaluate as needed so you make sure you're in the right direction. And nothing is beneath you. That's and, actually the other thing. Nothing is beneath you. If you need to go make coffee for somebody, go do it. Like if you're the one buying the snacks for the office, humility. Like, nothing is beneath you. Humility. I love it. What um, books or audiobooks or podcasts have you been listening to, reading to that has been help feeding your innovation and ideas? Uh, any in the past uh, this year or the last few months. You know, it's funny is I think the answer is I'm supposed to have like a thousand podcasts that I listen to on a daily basis and get up at 4 a.m. to work out every day and whatever. That's not the case for me. Um, <clears throat> I will say actually the most helpful thing for me has been being finding good mentors um, mm. and being part of a community. So I'm part of this group called Modern Sales Pros. Um, which plug them if I can, they're amazing. Um, and just reading through people just throw out, it's all sales professionals. And there's also a sister version called modern customer success pros. Um, and people just throw out questions of like, Hey, if I'm doing this, what do you guys recommend? Like these two tools, what do you guys think? And just meeting people has been the number one, most important thing, I think, because everyone has a story to tell and everyone's interested in talking to you about it, which I think is amazing. Um, to be truthful, the only podcasts that I've been listening to are um, Crime Junkie. I've been listening to a lot of like true crime podcasts and that's it, but it doesn't really help my career. The other thing is actually Medium blogs. I read a lot of Medium blogs. Um, the secret is incognito tabs if you hit your limit there. But that's actually been the number one most helpful thing in just talking to mentors and, you know, my the investor community and just relationships that I've made through just being visible, I think has been tremendous. Honestly, mm -hmm. everyone is so useful and so willing to lend time. And I think that's um, been the best thing about this whole journey that I'm on. I'm going to leave you with one last question here. What kind of tech innovations do you predict we will see in the, ne in the near future, next year or so, and the long term, like five, 10 years? This is, it's a silly answer because everyone's going to say it, but essentially the things that allow you to take a shortcut, I think obviously that's like life hacking, growth hacking, whatever, all the hackings. Um, but I think the biggest barrier to entry is that people feel weird doing things totally virtually or on the phone or through an app, but clearly because everyone's been forced to do it for the last at least month that barrier to entry is a lot lower. Like my dad, for example, teaches at Notre Dame and he's been doing all of his classes virtually. And um, even he's figured out how to do a virtual background. So he has like the golden dome in his background and he's like teaching his class in front of a picture of the golden dome. And he's the type of person who never would have been like, yes, a Zoom lecture will totally be fine. And he's been forced to adapt to that as well. And I think, you know, the people who mentally were resistant to some of these kind of shortcuts will no longer have it right because you everyone's gotten forced to get used to it even you know zoom catch-ups with your friends no matter what age you are is something that people are all doing now so i think um you're going to see a proliferation of things that allow people to do more things from home because i bet you a lot pe more people realize that they kind of like being at home and, you know obviously you're going to run out on memorial day once we are able to and like hug every person that you see but at the same time there will be a lot less barriers to staying home if you want to Mm -hmm. And that will, will change our, our whole outlook of the way we live our lives. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm a, 
it's funny because I'm an extroverted introvert where I'd much rather stay at home and cross stitch on a Saturday night anyway. So it's been a great excuse for me to like, I still get to see people on Zoom and I get to lay on the couch and cross stitch with my dog. So like, these are all positives, I think for me. That concludes the audio version of this episode. To see the original and more, visit our Uptech Report YouTube channel. If you know a tech company we should interview, you can nominate them at uptechreport.com. Or if you just prefer to listen, make sure you're subscribed to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app.